Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by CatholicSingles.com is ringing in the new year with savings for singles. You can save 20% by using the promo code BREADBOX when you register for a new account. Come meet other faithful Catholics and make 2020 a year to remember. Welcome to Tools to Ready the Journey, a conversation to help prepare and support young men for fatherhood. Hello everyone and welcome to Tools to Ready the Journey, a father's guide to a faith-filled family. I'm Bill Snyder and I'm joined as always by Ray Haywood and we're here talking with you on this podcast about how to live authentic fatherhood and to be a man that lives for others and supports and strengthens his family to grow in faith. And so we hope that you have enjoyed the first six episodes. It's hard to believe I'm saying we are on episode seven, which is entitled Perception is Reality, if you're following along in the book. But we have so much more uh, to talk with you about and get to discuss with you today as we expand upon these chapters. I want to remind you that if you have not yet purchased a copy of the book, to do so, it's very easy to do so. All you have to do is go over to trjfathersguide.com and you will be able to purchase a copy of this book and follow along with us because there's so much more than just our discussion. You really need to read the book and then there's a study guide in the book and an area in each chapter to take notes and take this home to your men's groups. Um, it is truly a uh, blessing in, in my life to be able to follow along and, and go through this ch chapter by chapter, and I'm wishing that same blessing on you uh, and for your families. Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about the uh, nuts and bolts. I want to get into the content of the discussion and bring in uh, author Ray Haywood. Ray, thanks so much again for joining me on this episode of Tools to Ready the Journey. As always, thank you for this time and fellowship as we strengthen each other as we grow in this journey. Yes, absolutely. So, Ray, you know, um, I, I, it's hard to believe we're on episode seven. I know that, um, you know, as as I say that, uh, there's there's so much to kind of recap and go through. Um, you know, tools to ready the journey. What is it about? So we are in the middle of the book, chapter seven. Um, I'd like to address the title again, just for the listeners who are tuning in now or maybe didn't hear the first episode, Tools to Ready the Journey. That's uh, the title of the book. It brings awareness. Awareness is shared and uh, tools handed on to the younger reader, to the young man coming into himself, hopefully at a, a moment where he's got change in his life, uh, becoming a priest, getting married, 21st birthday, um, baptism of the first child. But um, the subtitle is A Father's Guide to a Faith-Filled Family. So that's for the, the men my age. That's for the older man to um, be accountable, hold himself accountable to, hold, to handing on the tools to ready the journey, to read the book, to understand what's shared, and to give the life experiences, the life lessons, the victories and the losses to the younger man so that he could be prepared for the road ahead show them parts of life's canvas that uh, only wisdom shares. So uh, with that being said, um, let's move into chapter seven, Perception is Reality. Yeah, let's do it. Perception is Reality. Let's think about the title a minute. We've all heard this saying before. Let's think about how this accepted look at how we willingly acknowledge the power of situational truth applies to our faith how worldly interpretation of situational truth can compel an adolescent Catholic. We all know uh, adolescent Catholic, um, um, the term we've used many times, to unwittingly trade tradition for trend. So when I put this title together, Perception is Reality, of this chapter, I want it to be in contrast to the idea of trading tradition for trend. Um, with this easy to accept uh, and well-delivered notion of the need for a relationship and not religion being the talking point and the narrative out in public square, 
um, how we uh, brothers in Christ find fault and faith. Uh, it's just something that I struggle with. Uh, as we go deeper, we'll we'll um, we'll definitely bring to light a lot of awarenesses that'll help in um, discerning, moving forward, and taking uh, uh, the awarenesses shared, uh, clearing up perception being reality. This chapter begins with sharing the awareness that the process of uh, perception becoming reality takes little time to settle into our will, that we require little intellectual effort to move from a first impression to a deeply held truth, especially if we are unintentional in our approach in our daily lives. So perception. So what is the definition of perception? Perception is defined as the act of faculty of perceiving or apprehending by means of the senses or of the mind, cognition or understanding. So with that definition being shared, let's focus on one word here, apprehending. Can we think back for a moment on what we were made aware of in chapter two, our thoughts are not our own, how an exercise free will allows us to choose our own direction as we intentionally and morally navigate our physical lives, again, intentionally. Now let's take a look at the definition of reality. Reality is defined as something that exists independently of ideas concerning it. The definition of reality is very much on the lines of the definition of objective truth as it lends to um, the existence without bias or external influence. You know, um, that's uh, a very important uh, way for us to discern anything that we look at objectively is we need to take out bias. We need to take out external influence when we view things. Uh, very hard thing for us to do in our humanity. Now, with these awarenesses shared on how we can see clearly how perception can be reality, and with thinking back on the knowledge we have gained that our will cannot be compromised when we are navigating our physical lives with moral intent, let's consider the mathematical problem posed in the second paragraph of this chapter. The question of can two and two equal five simply because the accepted principles uh, or the perception in the public square is that the value has changed. And this is something that we're seeing very much of as we uh, um, step away from authority and we um, situational truth. We don't believe anything that we we hear or very little of what we see. It's just this is the reality that we're um, we're faced with as we navigate in our physical lives. And if so, what value or role does truth hold in our physical world, especially to the young man? who has not been challenged to understanding what is meant by critical thinking or that there is even a standard for critical thinking. Critical thinking. So what is the th critical thinking? By definition, critical thinking is the objective analysis and evaluation of an issue in order to form a judgment. To apply this use, there is a standard for critical thinking. And the standard for critical thinking applies nine elements, clarity, accuracy, precision, depth, relevance, breadth, logic, significance, and fairness. So now that we have brought awareness to how we can successfully discern perception from reality through applying the principles and elements found in the use of critical thinking, we can now successfully navigate through this chapter and all of the objective truths that it shares. What do you think so far, Bill? I think you raise an incredible point about critical thinking, Ray. I really do. I also think you raise a, a critical point about perception and, um, and objective truth. 
that I think are necessary to kind of expand on further. I want to reiterate the, the, the nine elements that you uh, just mentioned because I think it's really important to maybe just talk about them a little bit here. Uh, as, you, as you say, clarity, accuracy, precision, depth, relevance, breadth, logic, significance, and fairness. Um, I, I, I want to um, challenge the listeners um, to, to, uh, to really focus on those for, for a moment, even if you have to rewind this again and again and again um, to, 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 to listen to this section uh, of the podcast. I, I want you to just think about that. Um, I want to think about how often you intentionally, and we use that word a lot in this podcast, intentionally use those elements in your life. Or are you just drifting along a, along a, um, a wave? You know, are you just being pulled by a wave on a surfboard out there? Um, are, or are you rooting yourself, anchoring yourself, and using these tools to think about um, your life and how you're progressing through it? Uh, I know as a much younger person... Uh, than I am now, when I was in my 20s, uh, 22, 23, I, I didn't really have a plan in my life. I didn't use any of these things. And if somebody would have handed me that gift and said, hey, you, you need to use these nine elements, clarity, accuracy, precision, depth, relevance, breadth, logic, significance, and fairness, to critically think about and make decisions in your life. I think I would have had a totally different experience in my 20s than I, what I had. I just drifted. I stayed in a, in a spot in my life that was I shouldn't have stayed in and, and remained adolescent in, in my growth as a man um, be, because I wasn't um, challenged to grow up. Um, and use critical thinking. The, the other thing that I want to really uh, touch on that I think you really touched on as well in, in the book and in just this podcast was, you know, does 2 plus 2 really equal 5? Does 2 plus 2 really equal 5 just because you want it to? Um, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, I, I did a post on uh absolute truth on my on my pod on my um on my blog for my for patchwork heart ministry and um i remember talking about you know absolute truth is you know you can't change it i don't know um i i think it's in an earlier episode when i when i talked about absolute truth uh, and you can rewind it and go back to that episode and listen to it because i think it applies here as well but um but you know we really need to focus our lives on where the absolute truth is and allow our lives to revolve around the absolute truth, not around a changing um, thing all the time. I mean, you know, when you try to anchor on something or, you know, I, I here's a here's a good image for you, you know, um, when when you try to put a uh, stake in the ground and then you're going to put a dog on that leash and tie it to the stake, right, to, to keep it from getting off that leash and going somewhere else, you know, to, to, to destroy a, uh, your neighbor's yard or something, right? You don't move that stake closer to, to the fence. You keep it in the middle of the yard. But if you keep moving that stake, wherever you're moving that stake around, the you know the absolute position is is in the middle of the yard, so that you so the dog doesn't you know get over to your neighbor's yard. But he will jump the fence if you move the stake closer to the fence because the leash is longer, right? So you you've got to you can't keep moving the stake in your life. There has to be the absolute truth. So stop moving the stake, saying, oh, you know, well, that position, 
is is what the world says right now is okay. So I'm gonna move the stake over there to 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 where the world is saying that. I'm gonna I'm gonna move it over here now because the world is saying this about this issue. That makes no sense. Two plus two does not equal five. Two plus two will always equal four. So I stop moving the stake around your yard based on what the world is telling you. Um, I, I think that these are super important for young men to focus in on and and listen to Ray as you talk. Um, help help them you know understand these principles and and how they relate to the young man's life. So yeah, you know, I, my advice is stop moving the stake around. <laughs> One. That's a great analogy you share on the tether. So before we get started, I want to say that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ is my brother or sister, no matter where they are on the path of their spiritual journey. I truly look at all of Jesus's followers as being of one spirit. And we should all look at each other through the eyes of faith, no matter where we are in the arch of life. Consideration must be taken into account on how we learn our faith in our formative years for what we are shown at this time in our lives, especially if it was shown to us in love, is sown deep within our will. And anything that contradicts our beliefs is viewed as adversity, as adverse. Okay, different faith practices leads to brothers in Christ finding fault in each other's faith. So how can this be? This is um, something that we struggle with as brothers in Christ. Um, one takeaway that I would like to provide to our intentional brothers following along is that if we are talking about faith and we are not sharing it in love, then we are not talking about an owned faith that is shared in God's grace. Let's bring this awareness to the forefront and always keep this in mind while sharing off faith with others as if Jesus Christ was standing with us in our midst. So let's begin. In humbly seeking out objective truth, there are many facts that cannot be denied built in our foundation of faith. The sacraments, the new covenant teachings of Jesus, our living God, the man, and the body of Christ, his church. I would first like to explore what apostolic secession is and how it was intended for us all in his universal church. The Catholic Church, the universal church that was sh shared, uh, started at the hands of Jesus himself, was given to St. Peter to lead. St. Peter is our first pope, and all popes to follow are in apostolic secession from the hands of Jesus Christ himself. This is objective truth at its core. This truth cannot be denied. No situational truth or interpretation of faith can take away the authority granted at the hands of our living God for his all-enduring, everlasting universal church. Or the fullness of faith shared with us all through the graces he bestowed on us all through the sacraments and the new covenant teachings meant to provide us with the tools to navigate well our physical lives for safe passage as we help each other on the way, as we help each other, all brothers and sisters in Christ. Faith owned and loved, uh, found in objective truth, accepted in the hearts of the humble servant who is morally intentional in their faith walk is what's being described here. Are you with me so far, Bill? Yeah, I am. I think uh, this is a uh, great um, further expansion on what you were talking about earlier because when you take a look at the way you are describing uh, perception being reality and truth uh, being objective and not within to one person, the you know the world doesn't revolve around me kind of um, wake-up call that we all need on occasion uh, in our lives, I think it's great because the church has modeled itself off that same thing. The, the, it, it doesn't revolve around um, 
the church of what's happening now. It, it, it revolves around this anchor that is uh, with apostolic succession, as you mentioned, where uh, Jesus himself, the living God, said, Peter, here are the keys. You get to run the place until I come back. And you get to give them on and pass them on and pass them on and pass them on until uh, I, I, I take them back. And so, you know, it's a, it's a people that haven't maybe heard that before. I bet you there's some listeners out there who haven't heard that before, haven't heard that understanding of the church before. And it can be a wake up call. It can be, wait a minute, God himself founded this church and said, you get to pass the keys on to the next person and the next person and the next person. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. And that's been unbroken for over 2,000 years. And there is something that is so beautiful about that reality, because it is a reality um, that that is so beautiful when you, when you live it. And just to think about this, too, uh, for young people uh, out there, you are living just a fraction, a tiny little fraction of those 2,000 years with your life on earth. And think about then what the eternity is going to look like. You are living just a very small fraction of your life on earth right now um, because the remainder of your life is going to be spent in eternity. And so when I mention that, you know, you exist forever for eternity. From now until eternity, your soul is in creation. It has been in creation since your uh, birth. It has been redeemed at its baptism. And uh, I know we're going to get into the sacraments, but it's incredible that we are infinite beings. Our souls are infinite from the moment that they are conceived. And that is beautiful. Um, and it is witness to the church and the existence of Jesus Christ and of God. And I just want to say, when you live that reality out, when you live that reality out, that your soul is an eternal thing, man, you want to live it with the virtue and with the, um, with the principles we're talking about in this book. You just want to do it because... You want to be on the right side at the end. A faith owned uh, is just the same way as Jesus Christ handed us our all enduring and everlasting church. Our souls share the same principles, all enduring and everlasting. Right. So uh, the things that you brought to light, uh, we're actually going to get very deep into as we move forward. Uh, so now that we have laid out how to discern perception, reality, and and critical thinking. Now let's apply this knowledge toward the way that our Catholic faith is challenged by some of our Protestant brothers in Christ. Um, this is a necessary conversation. I find this to be a necessary topic for discussion in my awareness of how many of our Catholic brothers in Christ stand adolescent or wrote in their faith for many reasons and therefore vulnerable to unwittingly stepping away from the pearl of great price. Let's consider the loss of the value of authority in our physical secular world, compounded by the many credible Catholics not understanding the parts, value, and meaning of the Mass, as well as the constant attacks on our Church through the misguided views and situational truths of her being and intolerant, uh, just to name a few things that are uh, the wedges that our adolescent brothers in Christ uh, deal with in a day-to-day, -day, on a daily basis. So I'd like to bring uh, uh, into perspective, uh, to, to lend perspective in a quote from Bishop Fulton J. Sheen. Um, this, is, this speaks volumes to me. There are not 100 people in the United States who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they wrongly perceive the Catholic Church to be. 
Now that is powerful. This quote speaks volumes to me personally as I get to share in the fullness of living out my own and loved Catholic faith. Wouldn't you agree with this, Bill? Is this a wonderful way of sharing awareness to somebody? It's it's not our faith that's hated. It is truly the um, the the mis the wrongly perceived view of our Catholic Church that's hated. Yeah, you know what? Um, I I think there's so many different people out there. Uh, I Dr. Scott Hahn is just one that pops in my mind as we're talking. Uh, that would say that if you truly pursue the truth of the Catholic faith, you will end up in the truth. Like, you know, and if you go all at it with the intention of disproving it, and there are people out there who do that. There are people out there that go, I hate the Catholic Church and why they say this. Uh, Tim Staples um, is another one that comes to mind that I've, that I've talked with. I am going to disprove this. Because it's not the truth. What ends up happening in almost every single case? They end up falling completely in love with the church and becoming Catholic. So, Arch, uh, you know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, uh, the late Archbishop Fulton Sheen, is um, totally right in that. There are a few people out there that hate the Catholic Church. There might be a couple hundred people in the United States that really hate the Catholic Church. Um, might be a few more than that right now. But... <laughs> the, the But the idea is that the majority of those people that think that they hate the church or they don't understand the reality or this they have a perception because they don't understand the reality of what the church really is. And if you pursue it with your entire heart and say, God, show me the truth, show it to me in a way that reveals this to me, reveals this reality to me, what's going to happen? You are going to be fully in love with the Catholic faith because it is a truth. And when, when you, uh, you know what, here's the other thing. When you encounter beauty, it is, it is hard to, to say or not approach it. To look away. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to Look away from that beauty. It's hard to say, ah, now nah, I'm going to leave that behind. No, you <laughs> want you want to go after it. And and Jesus says it in the scriptures, right? He says in the scriptures about the 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 field and the person who finds the treasure buried in the field. They go and they do what? They purchase the entire field. They don't just get the you know treasure and take it off the field. No, they go buy the field. Why? Because maybe there's a little bit more in there. That you're not seeing, that you didn't have time to dig up. Spend everything. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen's quote is so perfect for uh, this discussion. And those people out there listening that maybe um, don't fully understand the Catholic Church or maybe have a disagreement with the area of the church that they don't like or whatever, um, I just challenge you as a young man to pursue that that you don't know and do more research and do more uh, prayer about that and ask God to reveal you the truth of it. And when he does, I'm going to say that you're going to see from his eyes that the Catholic Church has always been right on the issue and will always be right on the issue. So, uh, for a young man who's coming into himself um, and seeing all, we've discussed this in past chapters, all of the faiths that are presented, if they're all true, then how can they, if the, the, the credibility of them all takes away from the credibility of them all. Uh, there's only one objective truth, and there's only one holy Catholic and apostolic church that was handed to us by the hands of our living God, Jesus Christ himself. This is, this cannot be challenged. This is undeniable. It's objective truth at its core. But for the young man who's challenged with these worldly views, um, if he doesn't, he's, he's seeking other things as he's 
coming into himself. He doesn't understand the value of his faith yet. He's still trying to find out in his humanity where he he finds himself. So um, we're given these tools, these awarenesses, understanding perception, understanding reality, understanding critical thinking. Um, Also, with the understanding of your humanity, our flawed humanity, and, and seeking out objective truth, you could see fault in the church through humanity. But our faith is not meant to be in man. It's meant to be in God. So as Catholics, we should look to other faiths that believe in Jesus Christ as our brothers and sisters in Christ and meet them lovingly on the path at where they are in their spiritual journey. Let's look at and learn from how our Catholic Church views our brothers and sisters in Christ who stand outside of our universal faith practice. We are meant to view them as our ecclesial community. Ecclesial community. So what is the ecclesial community? The ecclesial community is by definition pertaining to the church as the community of believers with stress on their faith that union through love and on the invisible operations of divine grace among the faith. Union through love. That's where, you know, God is love. If, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in, um, you're, you're, if, you, if you're baptized, you come into the graces, the undullable marks we speak of. You know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. This cannot be denied. It's another objective truth. Make no mistake, Jesus, our living God, created the body of Christ, his one holy Catholic and apostolic church, his universal church, for all who are baptized to share in the graces bestowed. And therefore, as children of God, we cannot be divided. Objective truth shares that we are in union with him through love. The reality of our humanity. And our free will needs to be exercised as we discern finding fault in faith further. This is a personal struggle for many, one that should be faced in and through the tools of the heart humility. Would you have any thoughts on what we just laid out here for further discernment for a young man to grow in? Yeah, you know, I think that... um... When you talk about the the ecclesial community of the um, of the church and what that means, um, I I like to talk about the orientation of one's life and. How do I best explain the orientation of one's life? It really is a worldview, right? What is your worldview? What are you looking at the truth through? There are many different ways that we look at the truth because we encounter a diverse body of Christ. As you mentioned, Ray, there's a body of Christ, right, that Christ established, in his apostolic church. And scripture and just the natural law reveals that we are all different. Our spirituality is as unique as our fingerprints. You'll hear that um, me talking about that to young people all the time. But we also have common body parts. Right, we have we all have hands, we all have feet, we all have, you know, tongues and eyes, and we all have these things. Even though we're so different, but what's the common thing in our faith, in the Catholic faith, that keeps us in view of everything else, from Africa to America? We are united around one thing, and that to me is the Eucharist. And when you look at the Eucharist, I want to just read this quote, Ray, from the Catechism directly because it's so powerful. It says, um, 
the Euc it, 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 it's on, it's in the section Eucharist, source and summit of the ecclesial life. And it's chapter 1324 for those of you who are paragraph 1324 for those of you who are uh, following along in the catechism or want to read it again. It says the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. The other sacraments and indeed all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the apostolate are bound up with the Eucharist and oriented toward it. For in the Blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the church, namely Christ himself, our Pash. So, the Eucharist is the source and the summit of the Christian life. And everything else, the sacraments, the apostolates, the ministries, this which includes this podcast, are oriented toward it. How powerful is that? Everything flows from the Eucharist. It is the source of, of all the Christian life. And then it's also the summit of the Christian life. It's the best part of the, our life. It's like the it's like the monstrance. When you look at the monstrance and you're in Eucharistic adoration, right? And you see the host in the middle and then all these beautiful gold and silver rays emanating out from the monstrance. That is all of the things that flow from it. That's the source of all of the life of the church. It's the source of your um, life. I, I often say when I, when I lead into Eucharistic adoration with young people, I often say the God that created you is no more than 40 feet from you. And when you encounter the Eucharist in your body at Mass, the living God is dwelling within you. He loves you so much that the God that created wants, created you wants to be inside of you. That is the most intimate, profound relationship that you can get. And that is what the church, that's where the heart of the church is. The heart of Jesus is the heart of the church. And so when we talk about ecclesiastic, you know, ecclesial community, that's where we be, that's where we begin as a Catholic, and so I, I just want to highlight that Ray because I think it's so so important when we talk about ecclesial community to start with with the source and summit because everything flows downhill from there into our ministries and into our lives and into our relationships with one another into our marriages into our priesthood into our uh, life everything comes from the Eucharist. Absolutely. In union, i.e., communion with God, the bread of life, our spiritual nourishment. I want to just go back on uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. I want to share with our listeners that objective truth is three initials away in a Google search. You can put in CCC1324 and read exactly what Bill just shared with you. You can search anything in the Catechism of the Catholic Church by just putting in CCC, baptism, CCC, marriage, CCC, reconciliation. Whatever it is that you would like to seek out further is as simple as three letters in a Google search. CCC, whatever it is you want to know and seek out further. So, um, Moving on to some of the points noted in this chapter is the writings that are used by some Protestant faith practices to convince our adolescent Catholics of the benefit of a personally owned relationship that is founded in justification by faith alone, which is Romans 3, verse 28, and Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, salvation through grace and not works. These are great epistles for us to share in, worthy of taking time out to listen to uh, a, um, uh, a convert to the Catholic Church, a, uh, a seminarian of the Protestant faith who was seeking out truth and came to our Catholic Church, found objective truth, Steve Woods. Steve Wood has a, um, a podcast on his book, explain grace and justification. His book is named Grace and Justification. 
Uh, you could find it on the Podbean app. Uh, you could also visit his website, dads.org, to learn more. But he is learning, and he is a great source for you to understand, especially if you're um, someone who is listening who's not Catholic. If you'd like to understand further what Bill and I are discussing, objectively, where it's shown to you objectively, you should definitely seek out Steve Wood uh, and get his book, Grace and Justification, or just listen to his podcasts on it. It's from back in October of 2017 that he shared this um, series of Grace and Justification. All right, so uh, chapter 7 goes on to share how these epistle verses are discerned, discerned further bringing fullness back to light of the faith practices of the teachings of Jesus Christ in his universal Catholic Church. I would like very much to bring back the value of authority and order that is divinely placed within our Catholic faith community, order which provides safe passage for the intentional moral father who hands on the universal gifts found within our Catholic faith our foundation of faith, the sacraments. The main objective shared in this chapter for our brother Catholics is what they will be unwittingly stepping away from in trading tradition for trend. Perspective is reality. Trading tradition for trend. That is the foundation of faith handed on to us all in apostolic secession from the hands of our living God, Jesus Christ himself the all-enduring, everlasting church, which at his hands, the breath of life was given. John 20, verses 21 through 23. In the upper room, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. And whose sins you retain are retained. And in Matthew 16, verses 17 through 19, Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And so our all-enduring everlasting church at his command begins. These are Jesus' words shared with us in the gospel readings, the quoted word of God, not understanding of or interpretation shared in the epistle writings of St. Paul to the Romans or the Ephesians. I would like to present the epistle writings to be looked at and viewed as sacred homilies shared with us all in comparison to the word of our living God, Jesus Christ, quoted in the Gospels. Well, this is a lot that I just shared here, Bill, and um, what do you think about the perspective that I just shared? I think it's uh, very good. I think you also need it also just needs a little bit more of a um, explanation, especially about what you were just mentioning, uh, where you mentioned about the uh, gospels being the word of God and the uh, letter of St. Paul's, uh, you know, St. Paul's and the other uh, Catholic letters being homilies. And, and and it is true that the words of Jesus, um, carry a different weight in our Bibles, right? And when you look in a Bible, uh, a lot of the times the words of Jesus are highlighted in red. Um, there's even a song out there on Christian radio right now uh, by David Crowder that says, when I read the red letters, meaning Jesus' words and what Jesus is specifically saying. The gospel is a reason in our mass too. The reason why we stand for the gospel is because it is the word of of Jesus Christ. It is his word. So it has a 
significance about it that is a little bit different than the rest of the Bible. And the rest of the Bible doesn't mean it's not the Word of God. We're not saying that the Word of God um, is not present in there. But, of course, the entire Bible um, is uh, the inspired Word of God, not disputing that, not saying that that is any different. But what we're saying is there is a significance, and it is elevated within the Mass because we elevate ourselves. We stand up. It's like when we stand up, when the teacher is coming in the room, when the ultimate rabbi is talking, it is a living word of God. That's what the Bible is. And when Jesus is speaking in the Gospels, we stand out of respect, right? It's like when the teacher walks in the room or the conductor walks on stage. What do you do? You stand up. And so with that focus in mind, um, I think it's just really important that that you that you place the the gospels in your life in a way that is reflective of that. Not saying you don't read the whole Bible. There's some really great explanations from Jeff Cavins, the great Bible adventure, and there's other really great ways in which we um, can learn the Bible. But if you look at what a lot of priests and people will tell you, they will say with, they or they will say to you, start with the Gospels. Why? Because that's Jesus' word, and it's Jesus' word to you, you personally, you collectively as a men's group or whatever as well, but you personally. Jesus is speaking to your heart. And when you go to Mass on Sunday or during the weekday, Jesus is speaking directly into your heart. His message of love and of peace and of justice, he is talking right to you. One. So in another gospel uh, share, sharing of Jesus' word, John 6, 53 and 54, Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. You know, this um, this gospel uh, writing is the way that this chapter ends. And um, it's, it's extremely important for us to understand that what is the mass built around? It's, it's built around the Eucharist. One. The whole mass is built around John 6, 53, 54 where we need to be in union, i.e. communion with our loving Father. Um, the bread of life, spiritual nourishment, This he knows what we need to keep us uh, spiritually, emotionally, and physically filled. Um, very necessary. So uh, with this knowledge shared, let's come to the awareness that our will cannot be compromised when we are morally intentional. Knowledge that is woven into our hearts in love, especially in our formative years, is what is becoming of our steadfast will and anything adverse to what we are willfully accepted is willfully challenged. Again, what we accept into our will is hard for us to, uh, to, to, to challenge uh, in view. Being impartial is one of the hardest things for us to do in our humanity. Humbly seeking out objective truth should become an intentional part of our spiritual journey. Objective truth shares God's mercy and grace given to us all through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who in turn commands us through the new covenant teachings of apostolic secession that we must now Go through him to be redeemed. His universal church is our conduit. Jesus, our living God and Father. His bride, our mother, the church. We, through baptism, now adopted sons and daughters, learning how to navigate our physical lives through teaching and understanding of our universal church, the Catholic church. The church draws its life from the word and body of Christ who offers himself entirely to nurture his church to grow in faith and love, 
to serve our Heavenly Father. Let me mention again my fallback stance of the measure in which we measure, meaning the more we receive, the more we are held accountable. I would like to leave off this chapter with a very simple quote from my mother, Charlotte Hayward. Once a Catholic, always a Catholic. So simple a quote, isn't it? Her meaning in how she shares this quote so lovingly is that the indelible marks that we receive on our souls through sharing in the foundation of faith, the sacraments, and the new covenant teachings of our Catholic faith cannot be undone. I willfully agree with her sentiment. Catholic truth with a capital T. Think about those two words together, Catholic and truth with a capital T. With a capital T. The shared universal word, Catholic truth, universal word in our ecclesial community. Christ breathes life into his one universal church. And therefore, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we cannot be divided. Amen. Your thoughts on the universal church as described, Bill? Yeah, I want to maybe just leave listeners with a story about um, how I came into understanding this universal church. And you know, there are uh, four marks of the church, uh, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And those, those marks of the church are something that we actually say in the creed every single Sunday uh, that we go to Mass, right? In the, in, in, in the Nicene Creed, at the very end we say, I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. There's four marks of the church. But do we really take them into heart? Do we take them into our heart? And do we understand what they mean? And do we employ them in our life? And so I just want to leave you with uh, this story about maybe how I came into the the reality of that. And so when I was um, in, in high school, I had the opportunity to attend a bunch of Steubenville Youth Conferences as a teen and even as an adult leading other young people th- through this conference. And there was an encounter with the Eucharist that I had uh, as a sophomore in college that left me quite possibly, quite unbelievably speechless. Um, I, I still don't know how to put it into words, but what I can tell you is that in that moment when I encountered the Eucharist and Eucharistic adoration very powerfully, uh, that the risen God was truly present in the Eucharist, as we've talked about and Ray kind of highlighted earlier in the episode, when, when you encounter that and God reveals to your heart that he is real and that those four marks that he is one holy catholic apostolic in and working in that way in our church you can't dispute it it's really hard to dispute it so the universal church it's is contained in the eucharist for me i when i look at the eucharist when i see when I, when I receive the Eucharist, I am receiving Jesus Christ, the leader, the, the God of the universe, and the head of the Catholic Church. Scripture says, right, he is the head of the church, head of the body of Christ. That is the church. And so, I pray for each and every one of you to encounter the Eucharist, not just walk up and put a tiny wafer in your mouth and walk away. I pray for you to encounter the Eucharist because in doing so, you encounter the fullness of the Catholic Church. Right? As I mentioned earlier, the quote from the Catechism, that everything is bound up and oriented toward it. Our lives, our ministries, this book, this study, your men's group, your, your your work, everything should be bound up together inside of your heart and oriented toward it. And when you come into relationship, when you come into encounter that beautiful thing that is our God in the Eucharist, when you encounter that and internalize that, that changes your perspective of the entire, changes your entire perspective. And you're, your perspective then becomes about this reality. 
to maybe leave the chapter that way. This perception of the reality that the Eucharist is who he says he is, which is Jesus Christ, then your perception of the world changes when you understand that reality. Amen. So, Ray, I know as we wrap up this episode, uh, I want to uh, ask you about the tool that is in this book as well, or in this chapter. So chapter seven, the tool is a wood rasp. Uh, a rasp is a handheld tool used in the beginning stages of shaping wood. I chose the wood rasps for chapter seven, perception is reality for the manner in which it is used. The wood rasp takes little effort to quickly and coarsely manipulate wood to take form in the early stages of woodworking. Think about what was just said there. Uh, it easily brings the wood from a first impression to its true form as desired by the journeyman holding the vision of what it will become as he travels through the arch of life. The morally intentional craftsman creates solid structures that invoke beauty and strength. Um, I, I, I go back to the, um, the back of the book, the description of, um, you know, giving the reader, um, igniting them to actually want to um, read this book. Uh, you know, it talks about a hammer and, you know, how, how a hammer is used and uh, the difference between owning a hammer and knowing how to use it. This is the, um, the, the beauty of all these tools. We just don't own the tools that are handed on to us um, living through this journey with Bill and I, but we actually get to learn how to use them and to apply them well. Now, chapter eight, this is a great segue. You know, they all build upon each other. Chapter eight, borrowing the road faith will share with us all how to not follow the template in our application of working the wood into form. You know, the um, borrowing a road faith, that's going to be a great topic to discuss, Bill, especially after we've just discerned how we could put more value into the Catholic faith, the universal faith, the breath of life given to us all as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Ray, thank you so much for being with me on the journey. Um, it truly is a blessing, as you well know uh, by now in, in both of our lives. Um, I, I want to uh, just remind listeners to uh, go to the website because there's so much more there, trjfathersguide.com. Check it out um, and join the Facebook groups. Join the uh, Twitter. Join the Instagram because uh, there's so much more. I mean, Ray does an amazing job on the Facebook. Um, you know, every day is posting up things there uh, and different and different quotes and different things to, to really keep you going because, you know, one book isn't going to change your life. One men's group discussion isn't going to change your life. You've got to continually do it. Um, and, man, you've got to continually do it against this, um, you know, a world that is throwing everything in the kitchen sink at you. Um, so, so, uh, be steadfast and join these groups so that, um, Ray and, uh, and, you know, I can keep, uh, impacting you and your lives, um, on a daily basis. So we really appreciate and thank you for joining us along the, the, the journey as we give you these tools. Um, thanks so much again, Ray. It's just a pleasure and looking forward to, to, uh, the next episode. Thank you very much, Bill, for the time that you share with me in fellowship and all that you add. And one of the ways that our listeners can take steps further is to actually get involved in your ministry, which is Patchwork Heart. Very important that they understand and um, follow along with the message in the ministry that you share and how much it brings to our faith community and builds up the young man within it. Ray, I certainly appreciate the shout out, uh, and it is something that uh, I, I I truly uh, try to do as well. Head over to my website patchworkheart.org uh, to check that out. But of course, trjfathersguide.com is where you can find all of this information about Ray's book and this podcast. So uh, until next week, until next time, 
For Ray Haywood, I'm Bill Snyder. Be intentional. You've been listening to Tools to Ready the Journey, presented by Breadbox Media. For more information about this ministry to young men, visit trjfathersguide.com or search for TRJ Father's Guide on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tools to Ready the Journey is a production of Patchwork Heart Ministry. To learn more about how Patchwork Heart Ministry can support your ministry, visit patchworkheart.org. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small-batch artisan coffee using top-tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.